Hey beings, welcome to the Self-Serity Podcast, the podcast dedicated to providing content that contributes to our health, our well-being, and mindset by sharing resources, stories, and perspectives that can assist our self-investment journey, our mindful entrepreneurial journey, and or our financial well-being journey. Thanks for being here for the latest series on the podcast. Let's get into today's episode. The following episode is an open conversation on the topic of depression and anxiety. Only continue with this episode if you are prepared to experience the conversation outside of yourself and experience it from a different angle or perspective. All content shared today is intended to be an exercise to freely talk and is not intended to be professional advice. Only put stock in the thoughts in life that align with your self-investment goals. Today's guest is Rachel Lynn Sebastian. She is a teacher and shy woman creator of the Shamanic School of Mediumship. I hope I said that right, Rachel. Is that correct? Yes. Shamanic Mm -hmm. School of Mediumship. Welcome to the show. Thank you for (laughs) getting to me butchering that. (laughs) (laughs) I want to give you this opportunity in your own words to say who you are. What are the highlights of Rachel's story? Mm, that can get real deep, right? But the, <laughs> the, the highlight version, the highlighted version is I am so, first of all, happy to be here. And uh, I just thank you so much for being who you are and sending so much love to everyone who's listening and inviting you to really be present with us as if you're here in real time. And hopefully you'll get something out of this that can feel workable for your life and feel beneficial. I see myself as love and in the most powerful way, I see each of you as love as well. And I want to express that what I've been called to do is be a master channel. So that's what I am every single day, not just what I do for a living. It's not something I get to turn off when I'm not channeling. I also teach and I consider myself more of a teacher than a healer. That's my life path is to teach what I know so that each person that I touch can feel empowered to be their own healer and channel. Mm, Love it. So Rachel, I'm very excited to have this conversation with you. We started a conversation. I was just like, oh, we're going to have to start recording because I can already feel <laughs> that it was going to be a good one. I want to start off by playing a little game before we get into the conversation. And so for those listening for the very first time, I play a few games on the podcast. Um, it's about three different ones. And this one is called Our Thought or Their Thought. And the purpose of this game is pretty much to explore how you respond to thoughts that are from other people that you come across each day. I have random unpopular opinions that I'm going to be sharing with Rachel. She has no idea what I'm going to share with her. I have seven Um, and she's going to respond whether it's our thought, which means she fully agrees with the thought or their thought, which means she doesn't agree at all. It completely belongs to the author of that thought and not her or remix, which means she may agree with some of the thought, but she would probably change half of it or some of it to make it a little different. And so after the seven thoughts are shared and she responds, we're going to go to the category that she had the most in. And then she's going to take one of those thoughts and share a different perspective than she originally had. So for instance, if she agrees that cats are the greatest creatures, she has to twist it around and say how cats may not be the greatest creatures or why she would think someone 
would think that cats aren't the greatest creatures. So Rachel, are you ready to play? I'm a winner. <laughs> Let's do <Yeah>. this. <laughs> yes. Loving it. Come on, winner. <laughs> All right. First, if you truly want something and have made up in your mind, you will get it. Our thought, their thought, or remix? Remix. Okay. Next. Pains and sufferings are personal and they cannot be felt by any other person. Their thought. Okay. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all other social media sites are destroying communication. No comment. <laughs> uh, remix. Remix. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> That's funny. All right, next one. You are the reason your life has turned out as it has. Mm, remix. People have too much belief in freedom. Mm, remix. Many people now seem to romanticize mental illness as something to strive for and then wallow in, not something to be conquered. Uh, their thought. And last one. Enlightenment and depression is a package deal. Remix. <laughs> <laughs> so we obviously know what category you have the most in. <laughs> oh, Lord. We, I saw that coming a long time ago. I'm a Libra. I'm yeah. a Libra. Oh, are you? Oh, my I, goodness. Uh, I'm an Aquarius. Aw. <laughs> this is why we're here today. <laughs> okay. All right. So with Remix, you don't absolutely have to argue the different side. You just are going to share on one of these why you remixed it, kind of elaborate mm -hmm. on a remix. So is there one at the top of your mind or do you want me to re refresh you? You just the choose the one you're most curious about. Okay. Oh, yeah. I like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. That makes it a lot easier. Streamline like we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all of the social media sites are destroying communication. So I'm going to put one minute on the clock. Okay. And you're going to kind of just share why you would remix that one. I think why I would remix that is the same as why I would remix all of the others that I did. And the reason is I do strive to live in the zero point frequency where I can see the dualistic nature of our perspectives and I can sit in a space of not judging one as right or wrong. I am human, of course, like we all are. And there are some I feel more strongly about, but this can be true for someone, right? It can have ruined their experience. It can have ruined their capacity to connect with other human beings. Whereas with some people, it could have opened the doors and actually facilitated the growth of someone's ability to communicate. So this is kind of where I'm coming from. You know, you could see it as glass half full or half empty. There is light and shadow in every perspective. And that's all I have to say. <laughs> Good. Look, you got it right in time. The time the right angels hour. always get me right on time. I'm telling you. I'm not kidding. Yes. Every time. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. I truly believe it. And you know, you I love, I love, love, love your answer because that's how I feel. And this is one of the reasons why I like this game so much because that's the ultimate goal, right? Is to understand the duality in thoughts. And to understand that people will have 
different perspective, but we have to learn that our perspective is only one way, right? If we kind of look at the other end of the perspective, someone else's experience is coming from their experience and it's a truth for them, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a truth for you, right? And so I love when you talked about that zero frequency. This is probably the first time I've ever heard of that zero frequency and standing at zero frequency. And I'm, I'm digging it. Mm. I'm digging it. When it comes to the topic of anxiety, depression, and you can kind of point in the direction that relates most to you. I have this question. I'm, I'm going through this series because I feel like a lot of people are in the zone today and they're saying, I'm feeling anxiety. I'm feeling depression. And I feel from my experience, I can only speak through my lens or see through my lens. It seems like it's just popping up all over the place. And so I, I wanted to have this opportunity to speak and connect to people who believe that they experienced it and also in some way funneled through it or are funneling through it in a certain way. So I want to kind of pass the mic over to you in the virtual world <laughs> and get your insight or get your story actually on your experience with either anxiety, depression, kind of start off the conversation with what you feel comfortable sharing to start. Yeah, thank you so much for that. And the answer, you know, can certainly be long-winded because I have a long story, but the most poignant thing I want to share is that each of us has a story that we can't see when we look at each other. And we can make these assumptions based on whether we perceive someone as superficial, for instance, without really knowing or understanding what their inner world might look at or look like. And so the invitation is to look past that smile or the million dollar home or the 500,000 Instagram followers and postulate the question, ask yourself the question, what is it possible that I could actually connect and feel like I have something in common internally with this human, regardless um, of what their superficial nature might look or be like. And the reason I'm sharing that as I open this kind of introduction to my own personal story is I was someone who really seemed happy. Mm -hmm. In fact, people knew me as the one who smiled all the time. Mm. And I knew myself as the one who smiled all the time. So I just assumed that that made me happy. And in other words, my identity was wrapped around someone who was happy and someone who made other people happy. I experienced my first stint with PTSD in 2015 when I was diagnosed with breast cancer and the PTSD onset as a result of that diagnosis. And I realized with the onset of the PTSD and these up-leveling of infinite fears that came up on the daily, that these fears were always deep inside of me, but they were suppressed and they were low-grade. People know about low-grade infections, bacterial infections. You could have a low-grade infection in your tooth for a year, two years, and it could eat away at your immune system and you don't even know it, but it's wreaking havoc on your body right? Same thing goes with these suppressed fears, sometimes suppressed feelings. They're wreaking havoc on our body, whether we know it or not. And when PTSD is triggered and activated, it's like Pandora's box opens and there's no way to know how to close it. So my experience 
when I was navigating the healing of my mind and my soul really from PTSD was taking a look back at my life retroactively and getting real with myself because I wasn't lying to people when I told them I was happy. I was lying to myself mm -hmm. because I was not aware of how sad I was. I was not aware of how depressed I was until I experienced the kind of depression that is debilitating, right? Because I was so focused on my business. I was a recording artist at the time. I was in Los Angeles. I was doing all kinds of things that were very distracting. I was an addict. And so I was distracting myself from my feelings and from my fears. And I think that's what a lot of us who have faced mental health challenges have done is found that element of distraction, whether it's working hard, striving for fame and fortune, focusing obsessively on relationship or on children, just anything that allows us to escape from the reality of how we feel. So that's my personal story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Escaping from the reality that you feel. So can you point out exactly what it was that you were escaping from? I was escaping from the belief systems I had in my mind, in my subconscious mind, that I was a bad person, that I was horrible, that I didn't and wouldn't amount to anything, that I wasn't good at my craft. I was, a, again, I was a vocalist and a songwriter at the time only. I still am, but at the time that was all that I did. I was escaping from the feeling of not being good enough, the feeling of not being wanted or desired, the feeling of not belonging in my family, in my friendships, on earth, in my body. I was escaping from feeling like I was separate from God. Yeah, I can go on and on and on. What do you feel was the root? Like if you can pinpoint, because those were a lot of different scenarios. What was the intro to those feelings? Was Did it start with your relationship with God or did you kind of wake up one day and feel like you had these insecurities about yourself? Do you remember anything that was like, this was the moment where it started? Or do you feel like it was a flood of all of these things and you just, because you ignored it, you can't pinpoint it? So both. It wasn't because I ignored those feelings. It's because I didn't have the capacity to target feelings. I didn't have emotional literacy. I didn't have emotional intelligence. You know, I grew up in a family where we didn't talk about emotion at all, at all, at all. Not, are you happy? Are you sad? It was based on, and this is not a judgment about how I grew up. This is just, my parents didn't have the tools. Right. Right. And they weren't given the tools and their parents weren't given the tools, just like many of that generation as well as this generation. We know that we've owned that now as a society. I didn't even know what I didn't know, in other words. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't have access to my feelings. And so when I felt, for instance, in a relationship, like I was upset, I couldn't say, I feel upset. I couldn't say, I feel angry. I didn't have that language. So mm. what that translated into was, you're bad to my partner, right? You're wrong. This is your fault. You need to fix this. 
it was always projection and deflection because I didn't have any other tools in my toolbox, right? Yeah. So that's the first answer to question. And then the second is yes, when the PTSD kicked in and everything came in, I still didn't have the tools, right? Mm -hmm. I still didn't have the tools to know what I was feeling. Those developed over years of study and working with healers and, and shaman and other people who were versed in conscious communication. But like you said, if I had to break it down to one core cause or core feeling, this is what I've found with not only myself, but with many, many of my clients. The core fear we have is that we are not with God. Mm. When we feel these particular feelings, whether it's the feeling of shame or guilt, that we are not with God. And that's not the case. So it's a catch 22, right? Because in order to transmute the energy and the feelings that are being trapped in our body, causing cancer, causing disease, we have to feel them. But we're terrified of feeling them because we feel it as a result of feeling those quote unquote shameful emotions or feelings about ourselves and seeing ourselves in the way that we actually do and admitting it, that we're separating ourselves further from God. And it couldn't be farther from the truth. Wow. You just packed a lot right there. Let's sit with that for a little bit. If this is the case that the core, I guess it would be different for everyone. But if we were to go through with this narrative that it's because you're separated from God, what is your take on the multiple different religions and someone feeling like I found religion or I found faith, but I still feel like symptoms of depression and anxiety, but I feel like God is with me. Do you have any take on that? Yeah, I think that that is valid. I think that people tend to identify as I am somebody who is, and then you fill in the blank, right? So I am somebody who is a Hindu. I am somebody who is a Buddhist. I am somebody who is Jewish. So when there's that subconscious identity, I call it in my practice, the identity fabric within the subconscious mind, there's no way unless we intentionally shift that belief system that you can act or interact outside of that identity without changing the identity itself. So no matter what, of course, whether a person is experiencing anxiety or depression or suicidal thoughts, they're still going to identify underneath that faith and act underneath that faith. The issue is there are in each faith, I don't care what it is, there are built in factors that are, if misinterpreted, shaming of certain mm certain feelings. And I'll give you an example and we'll see if this resonates with you. One I work with, I will say this, mostly I've worked with Jehovah's Witness as far okay. as who have left their faith and who have the desire to deconstruct the programming. And I want to say this very clearly. I am certainly not against any faith, no matter what it is. I'm loving of all people. This is a particular faith that I have worked with. And that's the only reason I'm speaking on is because I have experience with the belief systems. That being said, one of the things that we're taught within religion in general, and I'm not just talking about, you know, this particular faith is that it's not okay to be ungrateful. Mm. So there's actually a shaming element when one is not grateful. 
and there's an invalidation of the feelings that are felt. For instance, if you're at a table with your mom, right? And you're, you're a child and you're going, well, you know, my brother got two pieces of chicken. I only got a one piece of chicken. And your mother shames you for wanting things to be fair, right? And says you're ungrateful. And so you feel this shame of, and this identity as I am somebody who, who is ungrateful, but you also feel shame in the feeling of wanting things to be fair. That's an example of how it could be, how feelings and energies can be so subtle that we, we don't pick up on them. Another one is the feeling of feeling shamed for feeling sorry for ourselves, right? In some religions, there is a focus so much on the community that it bypasses the needs of the individual. Yes. And so there's a shaming for thinking of oneself when we need to think of ourselves. We need to prioritize ourselves in order to affect the world. We have to yes. prioritize ourselves. So these are just examples. And again, it's just programming. It's not a judgment, wrong or right, of, of what any religion might or may or not say. It's programmed within the context of the religion itself. And these are religions that are thousands of years old that were at the time, we have to remember, at the time, these were leading edge thoughts, right? But now we're thousands of years later. And so we're also needing to be on the leading edge because the universe is, as we know it, science says, expanding at an accelerated rate. And we are that which is accelerated, expanding as well. So we must continue to ask the questions. We must continue to connect with God, but not where God was. Mm. where God is now. Mm. When you spoke of the child being ungrateful and then also feeling that feeling of not wanting things to be fair, I kind of think of, I guess, the rule book on life and how there's a list of what's considered good or, or evil. And then sometimes that can be translated to what are sins. And sin itself... I guess it is different amongst religion that bad. What is your insight on that same predicament of like something very calm? The fact that that child wants something, she wants more than her siblings or his siblings. Being something like the feeling that somebody actually has being something that is harmful to other people. Like their initial feeling of what they want to do is harmful to the other person. Being their true feeling. Do you feel like that feeling is an authentic feeling for that person? Or do you feel like those feelings of something that is, I can only speak, I would think, you know, something bad, you know, something bad that I guess everyone agrees that it's bad. Is something that is- a subjective is example? Um, okay, so going back to a child, a child feels like they want to kill an animal. It makes them feel excited. It makes them feel good. They would be shamed for that. But it's actually a feeling mm -hmm. that came from somewhere to them. And even the parents wouldn't be able to describe where it came from because they didn't imitate. You know, it's not like they're imitating. The child is imitating something the parent does. But it's just they were created to be, for lack of better words, evil or do something that is considered bad. Maybe it could be to wake up, live life, and want to just hit your sister in the face without 
cause or bickering right. that's hurting someone else outside right. of them, but that feeling made them feel good. And the reason why I'm, I have this question is because in this journey of having these conversations about depression and anxiety, I feel like there's people who literally are feeling these as it relates to the system that has been created, that they're trying to keep up with, um, that is not a natural feeling for them to have the anxiety or depression. And I also feel like there could be a group of people who are just attached to this feeling and they don't know why and they wouldn't even attach it to like something outside of them happening. They wouldn't attach it to being detached from God. They wouldn't attach it, I mean, attach it to their society or capitalism or anything that could be stressful. They just feel it without thought. And so circling back around to that question, and I guess you would just kind of relate it to your example of the child with the desire to want more. And I guess you would have to elaborate on that. When that child wants more or is ungrateful, do you consider that bad or good? Or how would you compare that to the child whose natural feeling is to be ungrateful and to harm others is a good feeling for them? I think you just shared a lot to unpack as well. I know, I'm there's sorry. A, there, no, it's there's nothing wrong with that. There's just a lot in there to speak on, which is great. I definitely understand that question. It's a valid question. I think the listeners appreciate the question. Some of you might have children for whom you're concerned about the way that what they're feeling or what they're feeling like doing. I have worked with those who are suicidal before. And I want to compare that because it's kind of the ultimate thing, right? That and you know, somebody who wants to murder somebody else. Yeah. The first thing we do in our sessions is we relieve the psyche by creating that it's okay to feel that way, right? We go in and we use either theta healing or one of the other subconscious mind shifting techniques that we use. And we relieve the soul, we relieve the psyche, we relieve the heart of shame and guilt and self-blame around that feeling. And we say, it is okay to feel like you wanna die. It is okay to feel like you don't want to be here anymore because that's the underlying feeling, right? The underlying feeling is I don't want to be here anymore. But people, family and friends misinterpret that as this person is weak or this person doesn't want to be with me and they make it about them, right? But when you gift that person who is having those thoughts with it is okay to feel what you're feeling, then and only then do they have the space to process all the other feelings that led to that feeling, right? So when you're talking about a child, let's say, who is thinking about, as you said, harming an animal, the first thing I would say to that child is, there's nothing wrong with having that thought. There's nothing wrong with having that feeling. And I wanna be here to support you to unlock where that feeling is coming from so you can feel better. In other words, I'm not gonna make it about me. It's not about me because a lot of parents want to change their children so they can feel better, mm. not to first prioritize their child feeling better. So how can we take a look at this? How can we unpack, as you would say, this so that you can feel better, not only about having feelings like this, but perhaps have some tools to choose a better feeling next time. And at the end of the day, I, I come from 
two perspectives, right? One is a human perspective because I'm living this human experience. But two, I do channel the angelic realm. In the angelic realm, in the divine realm, or any other entities that are channeled from a divine realm, there is no judgment. There is no shame, no blame, no seeing of right or wrong, good or evil, more or less, ahead or behind, better or worse. So from that perspective, this child in this moment is choosing their unique journey and there's nothing wrong with it, mm. right? But when you get it into real life, you know, if I were, for instance, talking to my daughter and I, I don't have kids yet, but I will, and I would not channel the angelic realm in that moment, <laughs> right? But I would keep my judgment I would hold any judgment or personal fears that would come up because none of my judgment and none of my personal fears are going to help my child. It's just going to cause my child to further suppress the cause of that feeling and the cause of that thought. And it's going to perpetuate and the issues that that child is developing or could have inherited from the DNA from generations past, could have inherited from past lives, could have experienced trauma in the womb to lead to this experience. We just don't know, but we're not wanting to find out in that moment the very thing that anyone needs that is acting out, as we call it, is love period, every time. How can I love this? How can I be non-judgmental here? How can I create space for this person to be where they're at before I try to change them? Yeah. Do you feel like when you were going through the journey of PTSD that you received the love that you needed? Was that one of the tools and how did you receive it? And if not, what was the actual solution or how do you funnel through or how did you funnel through your PTSD? Mm -hmm. What were your solutions? I mean, that is kind of a complex response, but I'll give you some nuggets that will, I think, be, I guess, approachable for your audience. PTSD was the loneliest thing I've ever experienced. I, and for those of you who have experienced this, you'll, I'm sure there's a part that will resonate for you. You are so obsessed and obsessive inside of your own mind that it seems like everything is against you, number one. It seems that everyone is against you. And retroactively, you start to look as everyone, even in the past, had been against you. I couldn't go into a restaurant and experience what I felt everybody else was experiencing because I was trapped in hell in my own mind, just trying to get through it. I couldn't go into movie theaters there was a point where I couldn't even go into the bathroom without somebody standing outside because I thought it would die before I came out. So shit is real in your own mind, right? But the reason why it's lonely is because you have this sick feeling that you're going crazy and you can't talk about it because you're afraid someone might confirm that. And that's why it's the loneliest experience I've ever had. Did someone support me in that? Did somebody love me through that? Did somebody coddle my emotions through that? Yes, they supported me physically. I had amazing support from family and friends as far as when I couldn't work, as far as helping me financially and creating, you know, effect, physical affection, certainly. But I was not surrounded by therapists, right? Therapy was never even suggested to me. And I don't know whether that's because I was in such a fragile, aggressive state very defensive in this fragile state that they didn't feel like they could safely bring it up to me, which I would validate. I wasn't receptive. 
or what it was. But what I believe on a spiritual level, from the spiritual perspective of what happened, you brought up earlier in your game, you know, you do you believe that enlightenment and uh, mental health go hand in hand? Yes, I do. But obviously, I think I had a mixed bag to that. The element of freedom that comes from facing your darkest night of the soul alone is profound. So if I were to go back, I'm so glad that no one could reach me. I'm so glad that no one had the capacity to coddle my emotions or validate me because I had to find it within me to come through on my own. And I will never regret that as lonely and horrible and painful and blaming as I felt to all my friends and family for not knowing how or what I needed. The truth was they were always ever reflecting back to me what I had the capacity to give myself. And I couldn't, now looking back, expect anyone to know how to coddle or validate my emotions because I didn't even have those tools. And so again, I was just gifted that time period to find my own way. And that preludes to the next question or the answer to your question, which was how did I get through and how did I come to the other side? slowly. I would love to tell your listeners there's a magic formula I have. I have some formulas that make a big difference, right? I have some great testimonials around, you know, navigating PTSD, but it doesn't mean I have what's right for you. And at the end of the day, what I've found is the main component of seeing the other side of PTSD is patience, compassion, self-compassion, self-acceptance. In other words, you can't shift how you feel until you land where you're feeling. You can't shift how you feel until you land how you're feeling now. And that's a problem because those who have PTSD often don't are habitual feeling suppressors. And so they have these feelings come up and they're like, no, I'm not. I'm okay feeling sad. You're okay feeling sad, but there are infinite other feelings that you're not okay with right? You're not okay with feeling upset. You're not okay with feeling angry. You're not okay with feeling sorry for yourself. Those are feelings, right? But I tell my clients this, anxiety is not a feeling. Anxiety is a suppression of a feeling. It's not a feeling. It's a suppression of either a feeling or a desire. So if you're in anxiety, you're suppressing your feeling. If you're not wanting to be somewhere, you're suppressing the desire to move out of the room or get out of the situation right? If you're not wanting to feel something, you're suppressing that feeling. And that's where the anxiety comes because you're not in congruence. You're not in a cohesive like partnership with your inner being. You're wanting to polarize yourself, which is exactly what causes that sensation in the body of anxiety, which is a reaction to those suppressions. But I will tell you this, just so people can sense a timeline. I was in deep PTSD, which means I could barely leave the house without having a panic attack for three months. I was having about one panic attack a month for about a year and a half after that. And it took me about a year after that. I had one more almost panic attack before I haven't had one since. And it's been three years. So as best as you can, can you describe slowly what was slow? What were the elements of the healing to get you to that point in the slow man? And taking consideration, those who are listening, it's not for you to take that same process, but just to listen and hear what process has worked for someone 
and just to receive the solution in that way. Are you able to describe exactly what was slow? Like what were the elements that you did? Was it just acknowledging? You know, I'm so glad that you, first of all, like made that distinguishment with your listeners, because my journey certainly is not for everyone. And it's certainly not a blueprint that's guaranteed. But I do feel like sharing gives people hope that it's possible, especially knowing how deep I was. Some people think I'm so deep, I can't be helped, right? But the slow part is there was a part of me that wanted to escape. That was the addict part of me, the part that was steeped in addiction, escapism. There was a part of me that wanted to escape the process of healing. And I wanted to bypass, as they see in the spiritual community, right? Spiritual bypassing. I wanted to get to the good stuff. I was like, okay, like, give me a process, right? Give me a process, I'll follow it and I'll be healed. But it's just like any healing process. You can't go, okay, I'm going to go through shock these two weeks. I'm going to go through anger the two weeks follow. After that, I'm going to go through hurt and pain and depression. You can't create a schedule or micromanage your healing, no matter how you look at it. You can't. I wish that I could. In fact, when I first started healing from cancer, there was somebody that took a whole year to heal naturally from cancer. And I thought to myself, oh, God forbid bid this was take me a whole year at the time I had just been commissioned or signed with a, a international rock band to do a three month tour. And I found out I had cancer two days before we left on tour. And I yeah. thought, God, like, I really need to get back on the road. I can't take a year to heal from cancer six and a half years later, right? <laughs> if I would have known it would have taken me so long, I don't even know if I would have gone on the journey. And so that's what I want to encourage each of you listening. It's really about the journey. I would never, ever, ever in a million years want to go back to how I treated myself. I would never want to go back to those voices that were in my head. I would never want to go back to the self-shaming, self-blaming and self-guilting parts of me. I would never, ever, ever want to go back to that version of myself, even if I had to go through the entire hell again, period. It was more than worth it. And I was blessed with that experience. And I would say the first tool I can give your listeners is to release shame from any and everything you can possibly feel and has ever felt. So I go through the process first with my clients. We have this list of like a hundred or more feelings that are the main feelings, I guess. And we release shame from those feelings. We release blame for those feelings. And here's the funny part that people don't realize. Many of us have equal amount of shame for feeling happy and excited as we do for feeling sad and upset. Oh, you know why I'm glad that you said that because I had a a mixed journey with both depression, anxiety, and happiness. Happiness being like, I guess my default when you spoke earlier of that smiling and always being the one that was happy. I definitely related to that, but I also truly felt that way for the most part. And they also disconnected me from people who experienced depression that were around me in order for me to actually start to understand that, or I want to say in order, but there was a time period that I guess I I may have attracted it to my life because I wanted to understand where I felt what it felt like to be depressed. And I could say from what you what you mentioned earlier, you know, that you never wanted to go back there, that desire of having that experience, having that feeling in order to get myself out of it. I wanted to get back to who I was, was just that happiness like I, that I sincerely felt. But I also felt like that shame 
of like, well, why do I feel like there's nothing wrong? Or why do I feel like I believe in positivity so much? Because I attached myself or just couldn't relate to the fact that it was just that depression was somewhere I didn't want to stay or live in. Once I felt it, I said, okay, this is not something that I wanted, you know? And so like that journey, like when you talk about running away from that, <laughs> you know, that feeling, I, I wanted to go back to what I felt was more in alignment with a feeling that was positive, uh, not even positive, which was helpful and beneficial for my life. And I think that I was saying in some moments, I wouldn't probably wouldn't use the word shame, but I would use the word like just unrelatable because I felt like the energy around me, everybody kind of related to depression and anxiety and all of these other disorders more than people who were just sincerely okay with life, feeling happy, being okay. And I don't know if that was something that I created in my head that like, yeah, I'm happy, I'm okay. But I also know that I would prefer to create that in my head than I would prefer to go back to that feeling that depression had gave or even anxiety. And anxiety, um, it's interesting because it's the relationship with anxiety feels like what you were mentioning before about that. It could be the possibility of having trauma that was inherited. And this is just me kind of just guessing. So if anyone listening, don't take this at gold. But like for those who don't really know or pinpoint anything in their actual life, I would say that would be more of inherited causes. Like when people just don't know why they feel that way, like it had to come from somewhere. And if you can't look, if you sit there and you look at your life and you say, well, what can I possibly be anxious about? Or what can I be depressed about? And why don't I know if I sit there and I have those questions for myself, why don't I know the answer? Mm. He is inherited. Mm -hmm. That's a really beautiful share. I'm so glad you shared that, Danny. And I certainly had moments of that. In fact, when I went to a psychic reading, she looked at my cards and she said, you're profoundly sad. She was like, I just see all this energy of forlorn here. And I was just so ashamed when she said that. And she followed that up with something that stung even worse. And she said, but I don't see any reason for you to be unhappy. Mm. And so I not only felt ashamed for feeling what I felt invalidated. That's the issue it, because it makes it harder for us to validate ourselves if we don't see there's a reason. Right. We think it's OK for us to be depressed if one of our loved ones passes away or if it's it's OK to cry and sob for in bed for days if we have a breakup. But if there's nothing there, that's when the shame that's when the shame comes in. I had a conversation with my sister soon after I was diagnosed uh, with PTSD and she said, you know, I don't know why you're going through all these things. We grew up in the same house. We mm -hmm. we had the same family. We grew up in the same environment. Of course, that made me feel she didn't have that. She didn't have that purpose of, of sharing. She's a beautiful, um, caring, compassionate person. She just was not aware. And I really felt ashamed in that and further invalidated. Like, maybe she's right. You know, maybe I am wrong. Maybe God meant me as this black sheep that. But you know what we say in the spiritual community? We say that the black sheep of the family are those that are meant to heal the generational trauma, right? We're actually channels to channel the energy that's been suppressed by our family members in order to heal generations past and generations in the future. And it's a role that 
seems unfair, but our souls chose it, right? We chose it. And so it's easy for us to get into that nature and the identity of the scapegoat of the family. Oh, Rachel's the one that's always doing the alternative things. She's the one that has the mental health issues. She's the one that has to do it the hard way. She's the one that you know has all these issues, but welcome to what you signed up for yeah. in the most beautiful, loving way. I say that to you. And you have a great gift, whoever you are listening, and you have what it takes to activate that gift and develop that gift and become the truth of who you really are through the challenges you're navigating, through the obstacles you're facing, through the depression, through the anxiety or any other mental health diagnosis you've had. I've been called schizophrenic. I've had my own family members suggest that I was bipolar suggest that I had a personality disorder. It just, the list goes on, right? Everybody's trying to go, what is wrong with Rachel? But the truth was my spiritual gifts were being activated. Mm -hmm. And each one of you have access to that through your challenges. If only you'll lean into the 1% of you that still has access to hope. Mm. Spiritual gifts activated. Now, I can definitely sit there because with the with the anxiety in one lens it was why is this happening this is so uncomfortable in another lens it was like why is this happening this is kind of uncomfortable and i say that in two different tones of course because the latter was related to the appreciation of something that i didn't actually know fully but the feeling started to reveal itself as like, this cannot be happening just because. There's something connected to this. And I don't think that it should be suppressed with medicine that the doctor may provide. It's something else that I have, to, I have to work through. I have to understand. I have to dissect, be a detective about. And for me, it kind of led to like, oh, this is a, your purpose is so big and you have to wake up each morning to be reminded what you need to do while you're here. And this is like an alarm clock that you set for yourself in a spiritual room so you wouldn't neglect what it is that you came here for. And so when I had that perspective on it, when you accept it a little bit more, it's like it becomes a part of me not defining me like how the world would define anxiety. Like anxiety could be something that is, oh my God, like horrible, but it also can be something that's like what you just said, spiritual gifts activated. Like if we kind of look at why all these things are happening in that lens, the latter lens, we might be able to figure out, especially for those who can't find a reason because, and the reason why I say especially those is because if some people are going with the way that a lot of people are de dealing with depression and anxiety. And so they kind of just create anxiety and depression for themselves and they could get rid of it easily, but they just kind of think up these things. And I'm not saying that everybody does that, but I feel like when they're like trends going on, like people just kind of attach to the trend and they could probably get themselves out of it. And I also feel like there are people who are, and I actually, I'll, I'll take that back because I don't really want to speak to what I think people are. I want if, if that's what they feel, that's what they feel. So I'll actually take that last couple of sentences back, but I'll just kind of circle back to the fact that I feel like the superpowers activated for all of us kind of leveling up with the consciousness and kind of answering those questions that are God related that you spoke about a little a while back, answering those questions now that we are expanding, it feels like an expansion. And so that feeling anxiety for me is just 
more so an expansion and less of like, I have to wallow in anything in a negative way because it's like, in order for us to communicate with something outside of this world, it's going to feel a little uncomfortable. But yeah, this was a really, really good conversation. I really appreciate you sharing yourself and sharing your story. There's one other question that I had for you. When you spoke earlier, you talked about being an addict. Can you walk us through that a little bit before you go? What caused you to turn to your addiction? What was the addiction? And how did you process through that as well? Um, yeah, thank you for asking. And uh, definitely thank you for sharing what you just shared. And to speak directly to your question, I do feel that most of the world has a level of addiction. It could look like addiction to coffee. It could look like addiction to the internet. It could look like addiction, whatever. Some people are addicted to exercise, but we have these judgments around right and wrong. We have these judgments around what is okay, what is considered a healthy addiction and what is considered an unhealthy addiction. But let me tell you, any addiction, no matter what it is, if it's in balance or unbalanced rather, is escapism at its best. Mm -hmm. I was addicted to sex and love. Mm. and fantasy. So what that looks like fantasy is um, creating a, a world between you and somebody else when you don't even know that person, mm. right? Creating a whole life together. And some people do it playfully and they said that that's normal. You know, we all used to grow up and we would say women would, uh, little girls would pair our first name with the last name of the boy we had a crush on. And we would, you know, create this whole drama in our head. But I went to a whole other level because I'm telepathic and because I'm psychic, I would start communicating with their soul and understanding the soul connection, but not really at all actually wanting to understand the reality of our physical human connection, right? Just really basing our, what I felt. So I didn't realize I had a sex and love addiction until this last year. Hmm. And it was the most freeing thing that I've ever admitted to myself. Seriously, everything made sense. Every behavior I've ever had, every challenge I've ever faced in relationship, my patterns, the pattern, I was basically diagnosed with something they call um, sex and love anorexia, which is someone that comes from a religious background that shames sex. So what happens is there's this binge of love and sex, and then there's this long period of anorexia. So I've gone from anywhere from, you know, six months of abstaining without sex or love to two and a half years and multiple, multiple times because there's the element of feeling ashamed and dark and bad and wrong for having indulged in those activities and then abstaining. And neither is healthy because neither exhibits balance, right? So that was my own addiction. And again, the admission of that not only helped me to really understand my patterns, really understand the cause of why I was an addict. And that's too personal to share, you know, because I have people in my life that are still alive, but trauma, right, is the reason. Trauma is the reason. And I've been through so many short-term relationships and abusive relationships. I couldn't figure out why I was dating alcoholics and substance abusers because my frequency of addiction was equal to theirs. Mm. We both wanted to escape. We just had different mediums in which to escape. 
So for those of you who out there who can't figure out the pattern, why do I keep dating alcoholics? Why do I keep dating gambling, people that are addicted to gambling? This is an, an invitation to look deep and go, what am I addicted to? What do I escape to? And even if that looks like something quote unquote healthy, like exercise, like we just said. Mm, that's something. It is. And it's brand new for me, sister. But what I did gain, you know, outside of the understanding and and a pathway is a pathway to heal. Because once you understand where and what trauma caused that constant fiending for the next dopamine high, you have a pathway to actually live your life. Yeah. What is your faith? What is your relationship with faith or belief system? Are you connected or... That's a great question. Yeah. So I grew up Protestant Christian in the Church of the Nazarene. I basically started to deconstruct my faith in college when I was around those of other faiths or certainly those who were accepting of multiple faiths because that resonated with me. What really resonated with me was I want to be somebody who loves everybody. Like that's what Jesus did, right? Like that felt like truth to me. And so through that, I found the practice of new age, new thought from Michael, uh, Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith. I used to go to Agape Spiritual Center in Los Angeles, and that opened me up to Buddhism. So I practiced SGI and Nishiren Daishonin Buddhism, and I still do. I'm not a member because I don't like to lock myself in a box, but I still chant every once in a while. And now I'm associated with spiritualism, which is not surprising because uh, spiritualists basically uh, tune into those who are channels because I am a channel and I study other channels. I study Bashar, I study Paul Selig, I study Abraham Hicks. And I hope that answers your question. It does. <laughs> so now share with the audience how they can connect with you, the type of programs that you offer. If that's your zone, like whatever else you want to share in order to have people connect with you that would align with your services, just kind of share that and how they can connect with you. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. I do want to share that you can connect with me whether you uh, want my services or not. You can feel free to join us on Facebook and TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. We have channels for not only our Wednesday night group mediumship event, which is called the Angel Dialogues. We also have pages for our school, which is the Shamanic School of Mediumship and my personal business pages, which is under my name, Rachel Lynn Sebastian. So just please reach out if you feel touched, moved and inspired, or if even if you have any contrary feelings that you uh, would like to share, you know, whatever feels right for you and honoring and loving and respectful, uh, it's welcome. That being said, right now, I only take private clients on Tuesdays. I offer private channeling sessions of uh, loved ones, deceased loved ones to offer uh, the chance for the community to connect with their deceased loved one, to receive comfort, guidance, support, peace. We also offer channeling, trans-channeling to, to the angelic realm, which is just so powerful and healing and affirming and awakening. Again, private sessions only on Tuesdays, Wednesday nights, is our group channeling event. So I would like to invite you who are listening to our Wednesday night event. We offer a free complimentary ticket your first time. It's a two hour event each Wednesday. The value is $44. Obviously you'll have the opportunity to subscribe if that feels great for you, but please come and check out our community. And that is something I invite every single person that comes my way to because feeling the angels in this unique way through chance channeling is a profound experience that is like no other. It cannot be described. 80% of my clients, 90% of my clients, they're telling me, share out loud 
I had no idea this was going to happen. I have no, I had no idea it was going to be like this. So it really just can't even be described the experience. And lastly, our shamanic school of mediumship, we run from fall to summer. So we take the summer off, but this fall, we're opening up the shamanic school of mediumship for kids, which is for kids age six to 11. It's basically a mystery school for kids. So we're teaching them intuition. We're helping them to connect with their gifts. I have parents coming to me that say, my kid is talking to this man and she says his name is this and she keeps talking to him. Or my kid is experiencing this entity feeling pressure on the bed as if somebody's walking on the bed. And I just applaud these parents that come to me because they don't know how to help, but they know better than to invalidate, right? They know better than to say, it's not true, honey, you're okay. You're not really seeing that. That man's not really there. And they also know better than to scare their child. They know better than to say, oh, that's the devil. We need to pray and like exercise these demons. So even though they don't know what is going on and they don't know how to help, at least they know to reach out for help. And that's what we're there for is to help not only guide the kids, but we also offer once a month a group for the parents to learn more about what their child is experiencing so they can better support them. And then lastly, the men's, women's and teens school for shamanic mediumship are together. Together. We have been shown by the angelic realm that we're needing to connect our community, that no longer are we to create these exclusive groups for, let's say, women who are of a certain race, who are businesswomen, who are businesswomen in Atlanta, who are businesswomen in Atlanta who have kids, who are businesswomen in Atlanta who have kids who are of this particular faith. We keep creating smaller and smaller boxes for ourselves where we can't understand each other because we're not in the same room. So I've been instructed to put everybody in the same room and we're gonna talk, right? And we're gonna learn together and we're gonna experience each other. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I completely enjoy my experience with you. I mean, even in that last little bit, there was just a lot more that was just uncovered. Thank you. Of course. Thank you so much. I'm so happy that we came across each other and that, you know, we were both guided to connect. And I'm so excited for your journey as well. And just really appreciate what you're doing. It takes a lot of energy to run a podcast. It takes a lot of energy to create a following and it takes patience to build gradiently. So I just commend you for sticking to it and having the intention, not only for, you know, your audience to benefit, but also to benefit yourself. And I think that's beautiful. You deserve it. Yeah. You know what? I'm here for it. I'm here for it. You know, one one time I was, I was talking to someone that came on like a game. They was like, well, um, so what do you get out of this? And I literally had to stop to think about what I got out of it. And most of it is just the connection, the stories and experience in people because that intrinsic satisfaction that you get, you know, just or the feeling that you can create of listening to someone's story. Those are all things that are important to me. And I guess that's what I get out of it. I would hope to be able to ultimately share the message of like, we all can live our lives. We all can experience freedom. We all can create our happiness. And it doesn't have to be like when you mentioned that divide, like I want to show how often we are dividing for we're dividing and is defeating the purpose of all the things that we said that we want in this world, that we Mm. want peace. We want all these things to stop 
And it's like, and why are we dividing ourselves again? So I, I mean, that's why I kept saying yes that many times. <laughs> oh, and then when you went, it was just so many things um, from this experience that I had from you that just really made me feel that I'm on the right path because I, I keep getting connected with these great people, these great beings. And I don't ultimately know the conversation is going to be like, you know, I just let them organically happen and they always align with the message. And so I'm always glad that that happens. So with that being said, before everyone goes, I have them share a self-tivity statement. For those who are listening for the first time, a self-tivity statement is my version of an affirmation. It's like a main point and your support and action. So there's and, the word and, between what you're affirming in your life. That could be for the day, that could be for the week, for your life. And then there's and attaching your supporting action statement. What are you going to actually do that you know that you can do to support that affirmation you want to declare in your life? And so if you would close us out with your... (laughs) Yes. Yes, queen. My self-tivity statement is I am all things. I am all things. I am all things. And that is inclusive of everyone and everything. And the way that I integrate that in my daily life is I practice spiritual mirrorship and I see myself in the mirror of every single experience I experience and I choose first to love myself through others and that which comes to me, whether it looks like obstacles, somebody yelling at me, someone being annoying, my finances doing flips, whatever it is, I always say this is for me because I am all things. How can it not be for me? Mm. I am training myself to limit my question because I was just going to say something else, but I literally want to to close out on that note. And so Mm. everyone listening today, remember that, you know, put stock in the thoughts that belong to you, align with the thoughts that that resonate with you. You do not have to put stock in every thought. And if you did find any benefit, any return on the investment from listening today, Please share that, you know, in the show notes. Also send an email. Connect, 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 connect. If you resonated from the show, I will share all of the ways that you can get in contact. And so with all of that said, hold on to you as much as you can. Hold on to your health, your being, and your mind. Be mindful. Bye. Bye.